I've been waiting to start playing Christmas music. And I say that, I've actually been playing it before it was legal. You know, after Thanksgiving is when it's legal to play, uh, to, to legal to play Christmas music. So I was actually under the radar playing it before then, but now I can play it kind of with freedom and without fear of judgment. And so I love that. And so it is the Christmas season. I love Christmas. I love Advent. I love Christmas specials, and I am excited that my kids have already started, started loving the Christmas specials. They love, they love all holiday specials, Charlie Brown. So we've watched The Great Pumpkin. We've watched, there's now a Thanksgiving one. Maybe it's been there all along, but I just discovered it. And uh, there is one about, you can bring it down a little bit. I'm on the verge of, uh, there, there, there is one about a dog getting a Christmas tree, I think. And then there's the one we all know. And of course, there's that great line that Linus delivers right there at the end during the pageant. And he's just exasperated. And he's like, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Pretty close, right? A little bit deeper voice, but pretty close without my blanket. And, and, you know, and I think that's the question we all ask and we all kind of struggle with the tension of the season and our modern culture. And, you know, on the cynical side, you answer that question with something like money. It's about selling stuff and it's about commercialism and, and you know, just the, commod the commodification of Christmas, if that's a word. That's the cynical side. On the positive side, we hear things like generosity, giving, selflessness, helping others, baby Jesus's birthday. You know, maybe we get that in there. Uh, I was watching the Pentatonics Christmas special the other night, and I got really excited because they sing a lot of songs about Jesus in their Christmas songs. They do a great Mary, Did You Know? They do a great O Holy Night. They do a great Silent Night. I'm thinking, okay, they know about Jesus and that he's a big part of Christmas. And I was watching their special, and they said, well, guys, it's not about presents. We know what Christmas is all about. And I was like, yeah, they're going to say it on TV. And they're like, it's about being with the people you love. And I was like, God, they missed it too. So we know that it's, it's got to be much more than that. It's much more than just this warm and nostalgic feeling. We get that. And, if, and just at the very least, if you kind of feel jaded, I would say you get that. It has to be about more than that. The Advent season is meant to rightly prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas. As you've heard we're focusing today on just the anticipation of the coming Messiah. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah 9 if you could. Um, it'll be on the screens as well. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible near you under a chair. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at all, please take that with you. It's our gift to you. We also use the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to the More tab, click Events, and, uh, and we'll pop up. And our, our passages are there as well as some questions to help you reflect deeper. So today, I just want to take a few moments uh, just to, to, to kind of really just make this personal. Really, the U of H and Rice guys already spoke the great truth of what we're focusing on today. So I just want to take a few moments to, to just make it personal if we could. So Isaiah 9. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, we'll continue. God, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for a time to gather in your name. We thank you for a place to come just as we are, Lord, seekers, sojourners, guests, family members. Lord, we all come with a kind of a different journey and different titles today, but Lord, you welcome each one of us in as we are. And so, Lord, whether we are, are Christ followers, whether we're seekers, whether we're cynics, I pray that today you would meet us, Lord, you would penetrate our hearts, and all would come upon every soul. 
So Lord, we give you this time. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is, it is correct to say that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, right? It's correct to say that. But what does that mean? Uh, in, in, our, in our Advent focus, we already heard kind of a brief uh, insight to the, to the history of the people of Israel. These, these were the people of promise, the covenant people, the people in which the Messiah came to and through. They were God's covenant people. They had had an up and down kind of ride of their life, of their history. They spent time in the wilderness. They had victories and they suffered losses. They spent time in captivity. They were slaves. And they were seeing their role in the world diminish more and more. And think about what that would be like if you were a people of promise, the people in which God's covenant would be delivered to the entire world, the people in which who through your blessing the entire world would be blessed, the people in which through your lineage every family of blessing would come, the people who would be delivered, the people who would be redeemed, the people who would be made a part of God's kingdom all the while waiting in faith for their deliverer and all the while seeing it seem to grow farther and farther away. They had the covenants. They had promises like the one we see in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Quite the promise. By the way, this one came before they were exiled. That'll knock your confidence. They, they, they make it through. 70 years of exile, they make it back into their land. They get reestablished. They continue to struggle. And then what happens? The prophets go silent. The prophets were the way in which they heard from God. The way in which they knew what to do. But they stopped hearing from him. More and more chaos surrounded them. More and more uncertainty arose every day. Generations came and generations went. Wrap your mind around that. You claiming a promise and never seeing one bit of it being fulfilled. Never hearing from your God. Because, by the way, his silence was 400 years. 400 years from the last time he had spoke through a prophet. And they're waiting generation after generation. Would their king ever come? What kind of anticipation would have been built? What kind of anticipation would this build in you? One of hope? One of resentment? Would you remain in faith? Would you remain purposeful? Would you remain hopeful? Would you despair or lose hope? Would you start to doubt? Would you say it was all a sham? Just sit in that for a minute, for a moment. Do we live in the same sense of anticipation as them? I say no. I say no. Why? Because he has come. Because the silence was broken. Because the word became flesh. Because our deliverer has delivered. Our redeemer has redeemed. 
Our king is on the throne. We're not going to go into the arrival of Jesus in great detail today, because that's uh, coming in a few weeks. But we must acknowledge that he has come. We have to in order for us to understand what our right sense of anticipation must be. You see, when we think about their anticipation and our anticipation, and at Christmas when we're thinking about the arrival of Jesus and we want to connect with the reality of the people of the time, we can only connect so far because our, our identifying is not one of just kind of imagination and empathy. It's not just reflective. It's not just to identify with what they went through because he has come. As we think of anticipation, we think of it differently. The, the low view of Christmas that our era, our time embodies only exposes that we have the same wrong expectations that the Jews of the time had. What did they expect? What did they want? The Jews wanted a king who just ruled earthly. It was a mere earthly rule they, they had expected. The Jews wanted a temporal position of prominence. They wanted the lower promises that only exist and remain in this world. And I say that they were sincere, but that was what they expected. It was what they longed for. And when we have a low view of, of this season, we have a low view of the work of, the Christ, of Christ come, we reveal this same limited expectation. What is the aim of our seeking? What is the aim of our anticipation? What are we looking forward to? Is it a concept? Is it a circumstance? Is it a better emotional state? Or is it a person? It is a person. It's Jesus. So our anticipation is just like theirs, waiting for a person, but it's different. Let me show you. Hebrews, Hebrews 2, 6 through 9. You don't have to flip there. We'll just have it up on the screen for you. He says this, It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Do you hear that? Do you hear what's in there? Do you hear what Christmas is all about? Yes, it's about Jesus, but it's about his kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. So you see, it is not just what we said earlier is the only way our waiting is different, but is that we wait with expectancy and hope. There is an already not yet reality to our waiting. There is an already not yet promise to the kingdom of God. George Eldon Ladd, a seminary professor, put it this way. He said, there are two meanings to the kingdom of God. One, God's authority and right to rule. 
And then second, the realm in which God exercises his authority. The kingdom then is described in scripture both as a realm presently entered and as one entered in the future. So he concluded that the kingdom of God is both present and future. Do you see that there in Hebrews? In verse 9 it says, but we see him, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor. That is present, that is already, it is complete. Then there's the not yet we see in verse 8. It says, at present we do not see everything in subjection to him. So we presently live as citizens of the kingdom, a kingdom that is established, a kingdom that is in place, a kingdom whose ruler is fully in control and ruling with all that he is in love. And yet we see there is a greater fulfillment to come, a day to come when there is no more tears, no more hurting, no more wounds, no more death, no more struggle. So that's the already not yet. The mistake that the people of Israel and us have made is that we expect far, far, far too little. So Jesus, he didn't come to establish an earthly temporal kingdom, but an eternal one. See, we too often measure the goodness and authority of God by temporal things. The same expectations of the people of the time. They wanted temporal deliverance, temporal promise, temporal position. And that's how we define if God is real, if he is love, if he is true, by temporal things. And that's what leads to this this lackluster view of what we are celebrating. We're driven by feelings and circumstances. Just like them, we want earthly pleasure, position, prominence, and comfort. And we doubt God is God and good when any of these are not in place. See, the incarnation of Jesus, that word incarnation is the word become flesh, the promise becoming physical. The incarnation of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us, promises so much more. He promises an incorruptible hope and a joy that cannot be diminished by circumstances. It can't be diminished or defined because it it finds is establishment and definition in Christ alone. You see, we are not just on the winning team. We are not just conquerors. Scripture tells us we are more more than conquerors. We are not just conquerors. We are inheritors. Because in Christ, we have laid our life down with him and been raised up with him to new life. So we have been promised the inheritance of the eternal kingdom as sons and daughters and co-heirs with Christ. So we're giving away the whole shebang, but you have to. He came to die. We can't talk about anticipation about him coming. So we just get to sit in this for a few weeks. Not a bad thing. So because of this, our hope is not wistful. It's not just this far-off longing. It is assured. So yes, we're waiting, but we wait differently. We wait in full confidence without doubt. We wait in promise. We wait in promise, not on promise. We wait with active purpose because it is fulfilled, because we can be courageous. We wait exhilarated with the opportunity to live in a way that makes the kingdom of God tangible. So what do we do? How do you see the world? So to answer that question first, I would just say, what do we do? First is hear the invitation. If you are a cynic or a seeker or just a flat-out non-believer, 
Hear. Hear the invitation. Allow God to bring to light the hopelessness and the, and the directionlessness of your life without Christ being our deliverer, our redeemer, our king. For the first time, you could know hope. So hear that invitation and surrender if that's you today. If you are a Christ follower, then again, do you live in a way that says this is a reality? That says you are more than a conqueror. That says because he has come, you are not left to death. But you are victorious. You're delivered. So as we think of anticipation this season, you know, we have a great opportunity, kind of these daily object lessons that's in our face. I am glad that culture has, has taken Christmas hostage. And I'm glad that, that every bit of marketing is somehow about making a buck off of Christmas because they are just reminders in your face all the time of what Jesus has done. So with every song, whether it be sacred or secular, with every light that is in your face and blinks, with every commercial, with every red bow, whatever it may be, let it build in you a sense of joy and anticipation. Let it well up within you the incorruptible hope. Let it remind you of what Christ has done, of the work that is complete in him. Let it move you to joy and celebration. And as your joy and as your whimsy and as your hope grows in the reality that Christ has come to liberate his people to an eternal kingdom and rules along with his Father, invite others in. Matt said it earlier, we have a mandate on our lives. It is to go and make disciples of all nations. It is saying, as you go, follow Jesus and invite others to do the same. Invite them in. Let your joy be complete. Let it shine before men. So fight against cynicism. Fight against apathy. If those things are in you, surrender them. Again, if, if there is a need for surrender and belief, then step into that. So as we think about anticipation, we wait, but we wait differently because our hope is secure. So let it be personal. Don't, don't just go through the motions. That's our encouragement for the day, our word for the day. Let me pray, and we'll continue in communion. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for a time to gather and to worship you, or to lift up the name of Jesus, Lord, as people from all over the place with all different kinds of backgrounds. Lord, uh, give us a sense of expectation, of anticipation, Lord, in this season, although it is constant, let us take advantage of this season for ourselves as we are constantly reminded, and also advantage of those around us who are more open and more sensitive to hear of your great love shown in Christ. So we continue to worship now as we come to the table in Jesus' name. Amen.